Hey guys, welcome to the Improvement Podcast, where the mission is to help young men develop their character, identity, and mindset in order to activate their potential and achieve their goals in life. On today's episode, we have on another special guest. His name is Eric Everhard. He is an author, men's coach, and also a professional porn star. Thank you for coming to the show, Eric. Hey, thank you for having me, man. Yeah, my pleasure. Looking forward to speaking with you today. And so uh, just to give the listeners a little bit of background information about you and what you do, could you tell them what you do? Yeah, well, I'm, a, I'm an author, I'm a men's coach, and, uh, and I've been a professional porn star for the last 23 years. So now my mission is to help guys by teaching them everything that I learned through my journey. So I teach them elite level sexual skills so they can you know, master the bedroom just like they would dominate the boardroom and have that core level confidence that comes from mastering your sexual prowess. Okay, and so one question that I have for you is, um, what was it that led to you getting into this space? What was it that, I guess, opened your eyes to the need for this, like in society, to where you feel like you had to come and fit that role? Yeah, so it was a it was a long journey that started uh, about two thousand nine, and uh, I took a relationship workshop through uh, a Bulgarian man that I had met, and while I was at that workshop. I learned about this thing called NLP, right? And so I was what asking is NLP? a question, neuro-linguistic programming. So when I heard about it, I thought, wow, that's kind of interesting. You know, it sounds kind of like hypnosis, but it's not hypnosis. Um, and I thought, well, that might be kind of useful. Um, so I was asking people, I said, well, where's, where's the best place to study this? Because I was living in Los Angeles at the time. And they said, well, the best school is up in Northern California. Uh, just outside San Francisco. So I said, great. Okay, sign me up. And, you know, in the back of my mind, I was like, okay, well, if it's kind of like hypnosis, like, you know, it could be good for business, you know, you could use it to, you know, make make people sort of do do what you want or something like that, you know, which turns out to be not what the school was like at all. It was the most fascinating experience. So I went there for three years, I got my uh, master's level certification in neurolinguistic programming. And as I went through that journey, I had to confront all my own sort of demons. And by the end of it, I was left with all these existential questions. You know, okay, what am I really here to do? Who am I? What is this all about? I was at the time, you know, I, I was now sort of mm, disenchanted with porno. And I felt really lost. I was like, okay, well, what, what am I here to do? So that began you know, what felt like to me, I, I kind of call it the lost decade. So I was on the search. And after I completed the NLP training, again, I still had questions. Well, what, what is it I'm here to do? And that led me to working with um, some shamanic plant medicines, you know, namely ayahuasca. So I did some ayahuasca journeys with um, a business coach of mine. And along that, I was dating... Uh, one civilian girl in Los Angeles. And she was always enamored with what I was doing. And she said to me, she goes, you know, never come across anybody with your skill sets, you need to teach this. And at the time, I had a number of people that I went through the coaching program uh, with the neuro linguistic programming, and they all said, well, you should be a coach. And I thought, nah, what are you talking about? Me, coach? <laughs> you know how sometimes people will see you better than you see yourself. So 
I thought about it for a long time. And then um, one day I just decided, you know what, I need to get this information out of me because it would be a disservice to men if I died with all this information. So then I started writing my first book and that, uh, that process took three years for that to come out. And within that process, then I thought, well, how can I help men further than just writing a book? And so then I went into working with men one-on-one -on -one, and now I'm developing programs. I just finished the second draft of another book. Uh, and here we are today. All right. So there are a few things that stuck out to me whenever you were uh, kind of telling your backstory. First thing I want to ask just to give like some more context to your background and to help everybody understand uh, what you do. Could you explain what neurolinguistic programming is to someone that might not be familiar with the term? Yeah. So it's using uh, speech patterns um, to basically help people reframe their experience. So it's, it's a way of therapy that can be very helpful in getting people to, you know, see their experience from a different viewpoint and get them to their desired outcome state. You know, so if they're, if they're presently having something that they don't want, and they've got these different belief systems, identity systems and behaviors, you're basically using language to therefore change their belief state and get them to, you know, see, feel, have a new experience of life. Okay, okay. And so I think that explains it pretty well. So it makes it easy to understand. Yeah. And something else that was interesting to me about the story that you just told about your background is that it seems like the fulfillment that you started to get in your life didn't come from maybe all the partners that you had, but it came whenever you found a way to offer value, or I guess like in a way to where it could not only just help you and maybe the partner that you were with, but just, um, you know, hundreds, thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands, if not millions of men. Would you agree with that? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, because, you know, my journey wasn't that different from a lot of guys out there. Um, you know, as, as, as a kid, I was rather tormented because I was the fattest kid in my high school. Right. And so I had to go through a whole change in my belief structure, you know, which got into dieting, which got into personal development. Um, you know, I've been a personal development junkie for the last oh, 10, 15 years. So I've seen how my own journey has changed through changing my mindset, my beliefs, and the way that I interact with the world. So it's the same thing that I want people to experience from their sexual, you know, sexual prowess and their abilities. Like I want guys that suffer to realize that they can change it. It's, it's more of changing the way that you eat, the way that you sleep, the way that you use supplements, the way that you have your mindset, the use, the use of techniques, like you can improve yourself and become a whole better guy from a sexual perspective. You know, and a lot of guys, you know, especially if they're struggling with performance anxiety, they're struggling with premature ejaculation, like their belief system is this is never going to change. And what I want to tell them is everything that I learned as being one of the top performers in the world, I learned how to change it in a way that nobody else would be able to explain it to them or give them the practical steps to do it. Because if I hadn't have done it, I wouldn't have been able to be one of the best in the world. So I've overcome it myself and I know how they can overcome it. Okay. And I think that it's great that 
that's the uh, path that you chose to take because the thing about it, at least from what I've noticed, being in somewhere like the personal development realm with the podcast and everything, and even my own personal work that I had done, is that it seems like a lot of people kind of take on that attitude, maybe not just with this topic specifically, but with like personal development as a whole. Some people don't really see it as a thing. Uh, you ask, you know, I guess a common, just average person, you know, how they can better themselves. They might say something about, I don't know, the gym or something like that. But I don't think a lot of people really get into the mental side of it, kind of like what you're talking about, where people can actually read books and such to reprogram how they might think about themselves, how they see life, how they go about life to be able to get the results that they want, whether it's, you know, in their career and or just personal happiness in their relationships or in the bedroom. Yeah, because they're, they're, they're all interrelated, right? Like, you know, what is it the things that we want the most, you know, usually it's health, wealth, relationships, right? And in relationships, well, I mean, there's a whole gamut of that. And sexuality is part of your relationships, because when you're relating to women, it is a major part of relating to women. So as men, you know, we want to be able to cover everything, every aspect of ourselves when it comes to masculinity. And you can't separate your sexuality from masculinity. Like they're very intertwined. I don't see any ways that you've ever been able to separate them. So you need to be good and proficient at it. And I think, you know, for a lot of guys, when they're struggling, they think, oh, well, that's not something I'm going to worry about. But then it's going to come back to, you know, kind of bite them in the ass later on when they have, you know, a marriage that starts to go on the rocks or they have a girlfriend that starts to go on the rocks because their, their sexual relationship, it isn't very good. And from hearing you say that, what it makes me think, you talked about how um, a lot of them just will kind of brush it off or just not pay attention to it if they feel like they aren't, I guess, filling the role. And you think that might be like a pride thing, you know, to where, you know, it might be seen as like embarrassing or whatever to maybe look to improve or to get feedback or to ask for help with something like that. Oh, yeah. Well, here's the thing, right? Like, and I'm sure we've all, we can all relate to this. Like, I remember when I was in high school. And of course, you know, this is the time when all guys are, you know, they're comparing themselves to everybody else. And I just remember somehow it came out about penis size in the class, right? And suddenly, I'm listening to this and, and, you know, nobody's backing down. Like this one guy's like, oh, I'm, I got eight inches. The next guy, oh, I, I got nine. I got like these ridiculous, you know, sizes that they're throwing out that, you know, I've been in the business for 23 years. Like I'm, I'm listening to this stuff. I'm like, you guys are crazy. Like, like I've seen it all. Okay. Um, but that's the thing, you know, guys are so, you know, they're so terrified of letting other people know about the real them. And you see it all the time, you know, where it's, it's the overcompensation. You know, somebody will, you know, they, they, they can't last in the bedroom or they're no good or there's something else. And then they overcompensate with their personality or they overcompensate in the way that they go to make money or spend money or there's always something, right? So it's, it's a very real part about men that they don't want anybody to know about. And the one thing that I noticed, like, especially when I would work with men is, you know, it's a very private issue. You know, guys don't want to talk about it with other men. 
in general, unless they're going to a therapist, you know, you, if you ask somebody, are they having any problems in the bedroom? They'll say, oh no, everything's great. And then when you get them alone by themselves, they'll say, okay, well, here, here's the real deal. So it's definitely, it's, it's, it's an issue of pride, but it's also, you know, guys are scared because the pressure and the burden of man out there now is more than it's ever been, especially when it comes to performance, when it comes to, you know, what the media says they have to be like, when it comes to what now women are saying that they want them to be like. So they're getting it from all the angles with the pressure. And, you know, a lot of guys are not able to you know, withstand that level of pressure. Hmm. So to touch on that a little bit more, what would you say is the reason for why there's a lot more pressure on guys now than there might have been in the past? Well, I would say, you know, first and foremost, it's, you know, the, the media has made more expectations of them. And I would say society has made more expectations of them for, for real or imaginary. You know, if we go back, say, 50 years ago, well, you know, if you had a good paying job and, and, and a steady paycheck, you were a stud. Now women are saying, well, I don't want that, right? And, it, you know, even if you kind of go into, you know, some of the some of the red pill stuff. I don't, I don't agree with all of it, but there's some of it that is useful. And when you look at women's dual mating strategies that I've seen come to light very true, you know, which will often be termed as, you know, they'll, they'll quote it as saying, you know, alpha fucks, beta bucks, but you know, at the, at the core of it, it's the, the, the dualistic mating strategy is on one hand, they want the exciting guy who's good sexually, that, you know, gets them to tingle, but then they want the person that has, you know, good job is full of security, someone they can depend on. And most women cannot find both in the same man. So this becomes the pressure too, right? Is it, which way do we go, right? Do, how do we, how do we give the woman everything that they're now asking for? So you find guys are struggling with that. And then you have the, the, now the push for all these um, chemicals and drugs. Like I know so many young guys now that are so terrified of sex that they're, that they always need to have Viagra. I'm like, you, you're 20 years old. What do you need Viagra for? That's for a 60 year old man. It's not for a young kid. You know, these are dangerous drugs out there and, and the kids don't feel that they can, you know, measure up or they can't last long enough or they can't whatever now without pharma, you know, pharmacological enhancements. And that's horrible. Like that's scary. So I think for, for, for a lot of guys, it's, it's the media created expectation that is, you know, kind of bringing that, that weight upon them that, like I said, a lot of them just can't seem to deal with. Hmm. Something I would think might be a factor in that is, uh, is this. So you mentioned like maybe 50 years ago, right? How if you just had a good paying job, you know, house or, or whatever, if you were stable, you were considered a stud. And then looking at now, you know, they might want that. But then they also want that the sexual aspect, too. And it kind of makes me think maybe what led to um, the sexual part being more like the forefront and being something that became more and more important is just maybe the fact that back then, you know, while casual sex was a thing, I don't think it was maybe on the level that it is now, of course, with online dating, 
that sort of thing. And then also, you know, I've heard people, you know, like Jordan Peterson talk about like with birth control being a thing, how like that mm-hmm. completely changed the landscape of casual sex because, you know, back in like, let's say the fifties or something like that, you probably actually had to be careful about what partner that you pick because, you know, that person might get you pregnant as opposed to now there are little to no consequences to, you know, just go talk to anybody at a, at a bar and go hook up with them. And so yep. I would think maybe that probably contributes to that as well. Just the fact that it's become a more commonly accepted thing to do hookups and such. There is a lot more room for comparison among men and, you know, a lot more opportunities for women to have experiences to where they can be more selective about this sort of thing. I, I agree 100 percent. And and I I've seen where Jordan's talked about that. And I think there's there's a lot of truth to that. Like, we don't know what the consequences are that of that, you know, experiment's going to be. Because on one hand, we say, well, birth control is great. But again, then it opens up a whole new shift in society, you know, and in the human race, that's never existed. You know, you never had the ability to really control conception to that level. So, I mean, women have more choice than ever. And I mean, they are exercising it, right? So from that perspective, yeah, I think, I think guys feel now, you know, after, you know, obviously, you know, women love sex, right? And, and like I said, when you have that sort of dual strategy that's playing out now where you have some women that, that are looking for that crazy sexual experience, and then, you know, later on, they're looking for the stable guy, you know, guys feel really confused because, you know, they might be stable, they may have a good job, and yet they're not getting the girls. So this, again, is, it's, it's, it's troubling for guys out there. And, and it's tough to say, well, how's it all going to play out? Yeah, it is interesting. And, you know, they've, I've watched like a few videos about some of this stuff. Of course, I haven't done a whole bunch of research to really be able to bring it up on here and have like a a detailed discussion about it but some of the things they've been hinting at is that with the way i guess with the trend that the quote-unquote dating market as they call it is taking it can be pretty detrimental to society because they're saying like with uh with that you know vet with those vast options that women have now like as far as um you know partners they can choose and everything i think he said like 80 percent of men aren't having enough sex if any at all. And he said, that's just due to the fact that like women can be so selective. And it goes back to what you're saying about how uh, they're looking for that person that can satisfy them and maybe uh, that person that's stable later. And the stable person tends to be more in abundance than the other one, which is the person that can satisfy their sexual needs. Yeah. And if you look at it, I mean, the, the Pareto principle is really playing itself out. And that's something that I've, I've talked to a lot of the, the men that I coach. I say, look, you know, if you can have elite level sexual skill sets, in most cases, and at least how I've see it, seen it play out, you know, you're, you're never going to be able to do anything about the fact that hypergamy exists. Like, you know, women at their base level are always going to be looking for the best deal that they can get. So rather than, you know, sitting there as a guy and feeling depressed and, oh man, you know, she's, she's probably going to leave me for the next guy. Like, no, you got to sit there and you got to make yourself the best guy. Like, because if you level up your skill sets in all different areas, especially sexually, you know, women understand when they come across a unicorn out there, 
Like they just do. I've, I've seen women now throughout my 23 years where, you know, they will tolerate a lot of your shortcomings. If your sexual game is on point, like they really just will, because for most women, it does matter. So if you can bring that to the table and if you go out there saying, you know what, I am going to improve my skills as a man. I'm going to make it so that I, I'm, I'm a really good catch on all levels. You know, I think then, then you don't really have to sit there worrying about, is she going to leave me for somebody else? Cause you know that you're the best. Okay. And so to kind of hop into, um, into, uh, I guess your content now, what would you say is the biggest difference that you notice between, I guess, maybe the men that aren't meeting the standard and those guys that, that are like the unicorns, like what you would call it. And you can get into specifics, I guess, if you like, or maybe like just more in general, it really just depends on how you'd like to take it. Yeah. Well, I mean, one of the things that, that I've noticed it comes down to is, is first of all, bedroom leadership. Um, Cause I've coached a lot of guys around this and, it's really interesting because, you know, this is another thing that's been really tough on men out there, especially if we, if we look at the last, say, six years, you know, with the Me Too movement and all this stuff. Now you have guys that are hesitant to do anything. Mm-hmm. Like they're so fearful, right? And I think the fear is unwarranted. What I think that they need to do is they need to understand first and foremost that every move they need to make has to be calibrated. So I think when, when you get guys that, you know, are, are being, you know, thrown under as far as this me too sort of um, paradigm, it's that they're not calibrating their actions. Like they're not, they're not seeing what they're doing that is landing, but if you don't do anything, nothing's going to happen. And most women want you to take the lead. Like they, it's like a dance, right? They want to be able to follow and they want you to lead. So if you're not taking strong, bold action in the bedroom, you know, the, 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 the woman's not going to do it. And when you look at male, female polarity, especially if you, if you've ever read any of the, the work of uh, David data, you know, he talks about in the way of the superior man, often how, if you don't have polarity between men and women, then you have no sexual attraction. Because the closer you get to the center, now you have buddies. And buddies, they'll sit on the couch, they'll watch football together, you know, have a beer, they're not having sex. And that's what happens to a lot of relationships, right? As the man becomes more feminine, the woman becomes more masculine, you end up with this androgyny. And it's just, it just doesn't create bedroom spark. So you need to keep that polarity as much as you can. And that starts by really leading strong in the bedroom. It's it's taking the lead. It's being spontaneous. It's creating a sense of danger. You know, it's it's being the teacher to the woman being the student. So it sounds like a confidence thing, really. Well, it's confidence, but you know, here's the thing about confidence. Confidence is a byproduct. Confidence is never there in 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 the beginning, right? Nothing. Mm -hmm. Nothing that we first do are we confident at. Confidence is, is something that rises out of competence. So, you know, what I try to give all my students is I'm like, okay, here's the framework for what works. 
I've done this for the last 23 years. I know the how and the what. So my goal with all my students that I teach is I give them, here's what you got to do. Here's how it works. Here's why. And I give it in a step-by-step format so that you have all the knowledge when you go out there. You will still have to apply it, but at least you know what's going to work. So you can go in there and you can go in there with a confidence with what you're doing, but you still have to get the feedback from the woman. And, and it, it's still, when you get into different areas of sexuality, it's still very nuanced. Like if you're going into it for the first time, you may screw up a little bit, but that's okay if at least you know how you're supposed to be doing it. And you know what is effectively going to be getting her off because now you have at least, at least you have a path. Like at least you have a direction because most guys are just going there and they don't know what they're doing and they don't understand what they're supposed to be experiencing, right? Like, you know, one of the things that, I, that I've often um, told guys is a revelation and, you know, it just relates in, in terms of oral sex is, you know, they, 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 they've never understood that the woman's clit gets hard and that that's your yellow brick road. Like that's the thing you have to pay attention to. The woman can't fake that. So when you experience it and then you understand it, now you know what her body is telling you, what her body's screaming at you that's going to work that actually gets her off. But most guys, like they're just down there, they, and, and I've asked them, I said, well, what are you feeling for? What are you experiencing? I don't know. I'm just down there. Well, that's not going to work very well. That's not a good strategy. So it's like I say, okay, here's what you have to be feeling for. Here's what it's going to feel like when it, when it does this do X, Y, Z. And then they're like, Oh my God, like it works. I'm like, yes, it does. So, you know, that's what I want to give guys is I want to give them the roadmap from my 23 years in the business, because, you know, if you don't have a roadmap, you got nowhere. That's like, that's like saying, I want to go from LA to Vegas, but you're just driving in circles. Well, you're never going to get to Vegas, right? Without a map. Right. Okay. And so I noticed that you kind of got on more like the actual, like, you know, signals and maybe like techniques sort of things. And so what would you say are some of like the common mistakes that guys make kind of like the one that you just mentioned that lead to them, maybe not having the experience that they want, or maybe not providing a woman with that experience that she wants. Well, so one of the first ones that the guys make is they, they don't practice like they play. And I think this is a big key, right? Like, a lot of guys will suffer from, you know, not being able to last long enough in the bedroom. But the analogy I often use is, well, okay, you know, we all know Tom Brady, you know, he's the goat, right? He's yeah. got the seven Super Bowls now. Imagine this scenario. Imagine you got Tom Brady and he doesn't show up for preseason. He rides the pine for 16 weeks of the year. Somehow team manages to get into the Super Bowl. And then he gets up off the bench and he's like, put me in, coach. I know I haven't thrown a football for the last four months, but put me in. I'm going to, this is the Super Bowl. I'm going to win it for you. Not going to happen. Yeah, probably not. Probably not. Probably not. But that's what guys are doing. Right? It's like, it's like they're, 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 they're not altering their neurology with certain exercises. They're not taking their supplements. They're not working on maneuvers of consciousness. They're not doing conscious masturbation. They're not doing their penis exercise. They're not doing any of it. And then they get the woman back and 
you know, the night's over in 30 seconds and they're like, wow, God, how did that happen? Well, the reason it happened is because you didn't set yourself up for success in how you'd been acting the whole month, the whole two months, the whole three months before that event took place. So it's all about, you know, what you're doing on the daily basis with your sexual health to enable you to do that. Because nobody's just coming out of the gate lasting 40, 50 minutes if they haven't trained for it. It's no different. You know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't go to the gym, throw 300 pounds on a bench and think you could do it. That'd be lunacy. Yeah, that's uh, just thinking about the stuff that you said, thinking about it with that analogy. It really makes it uh, pretty interesting because I'm not going to lie. I've never thought about like doing like prep or something like that, like to the degree that like what you're talking about to where like there's like exercises and all these other things. And you even I mean, I've heard of what is it called? Ashwagandha. That's supposed to be like some type of like supplement that helps like your testosterone or something. But looking at it kind of like how you described and comparing it to like an NFL season or like an off season or all that preparing and practicing. I've never, I've never thought about it like that before. So that's uh, that is very interesting when you make that parallel and it just makes me think, you know, there's so much that's probably untapped for a lot of guys as far as what you could do to improve yourself in, in that aspect. Well, yeah. And that's the problem is a lot of guys just figure, well, that's just how it is right? Like if they only last 30 seconds, they're like, well, I guess that's how it is. Well, no, it's because you've trained your body to last 30 seconds. Now let's work on training your body to last five minutes. Then let's work on training your body to last 10 minutes. Then we can get your body to last 30 minutes. Like it's all possible, but it's all about how do we alter your neurology? And that's what I take the guys through is I teach them. Here's how you can do it. And I give them real practical steps to do it. Because I've I've done it myself my whole career. Okay, okay. So one thing that you mentioned that I feel like would be very pivotal for a lot of guys, especially young guys, you talked about conscious masturbation. And so what I would think that could be implying is that maybe the way that guys regularly masturbate could be leading to them, you know, having you know similar things happen like in the bedroom where it can like maybe, you know, the opposite, you know, have like the opposite effect of what they, what they would want. Could you kind of elaborate on that a little bit? Am I kind of along oh, yeah, the lines of what you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Because, because most guys, like they are telling their body how it's going to act. And, mm -hmm. you know, so if I paint the scenario for how most guys are, you know, if they're at home masturbating, it's 30 seconds in the shower, it's 30 seconds before work, it's, 30 seconds, you know, when they get a, a, a free moment and their, their parents aren't around or their girlfriend's not around or whatever. Well, it's 30 seconds. So you've trained your neurology to last 30 seconds. And now you are somehow surprised or shocked even that when you go home with a girl, it lasts 30 seconds, right? Like this should be no shock to anybody, right? Right. So, so when you look at it from that, from that framework, it's like, okay, so now we have to rewire this, right? And so that's part of the program is I take guys through. It's like, okay, we got, when I say conscious masturbation, it's, it's not masturbation with the goal of getting off. That's not the point at all. It's just putting in reps. That's all it is. And it's putting in reps and lengthening it out, you know, because you have to teach your body how to hold off. And that is, is a very teachable aspect. 
but you have to go through it. Like it's work. You know, anybody that's looking for some sort of quick fix pill that doesn't exist. So you have two different avenues, main avenues that I'll take guys through when it comes to lasting longer. On one hand, there is altering your neurology and that's through conscious masturbation, penis exercises, and maneuvers of consciousness. On the second hand, there's what I call the dirty biohacks. And these are things that you can do in the moment to give yourself another 30 seconds, another minute. And the whole purpose of that is to get to what I found to be the number amount, like the, the amount of minutes you needed to last to be able to now be able to desensitize your penis and, and get the reins of the beast, so to speak. And I call it the five minute marker because I saw time and time again throughout all my years that even the pros, the best of the best would be sensitive, but if they could make it to five minutes, once they got to that five minute marker, their neurology got desensitized and then they could last for 40 minutes, 50 minutes, however long it was. So when I, what I often teach the guys is I'm like, don't think about the goal because it's this gargantuan goal. They say, oh God, I got to last a half hour. I got to last this. I say, no, no, no. You got to last five minutes. Because trust me, when you get to five minutes, things are going to change. Very likely. The hard part though, is that 0.5 seconds of penetration to five minutes. And that's what we need to work on. And so then I'll take guys through a number of different things that can help push them to that five minute marker. So I'll use pain, I'll use depth, I'll use prevention of testicles rising. I will use the ability to always have a, a different position, changing of positioning. So there's a lot of different ways that you can enable yourself to have another minute, to have another 30 seconds, and those compound upon each other. Soon you're at five minutes, and now you've desensitized enough, you managed to you know, get a hold of yourself, and now you have control. Wow, you just really, this is really kind of puts it into like perspective, like how deep you can go with this type of stuff. And now you can really be an expert in these, in these areas, as far as the techniques that you're talking about. And, you know, even with the compounding and all that, it's just also interesting and like unique to me uh, hearing this. And so if you had like one tip that you would give guys to uh, focus on that could play the biggest role in them performing better, what would you say it is? Like somewhere always, to start. Yeah. So one of the things I would say to them is you need to always be doing on every level and every aspect. Because here's the thing that I found at least. When you're in a constant state of doing, like focused attention, and I mean really focused, right? When you have super focused attention, you create this space of white noise between your ears. You're no longer thinking. Because here's the thing. Sex is not a thinking act. It's a physical act. It's a being act. It's a doing act. It's not a thinking act, right? So because it's the thinking that usually ends up holding you back in so many different ways, right? Now you're thinking, well, does she like me? You're thinking, I hope I'm able to perform. I hope I'm able to get hard. Like you have all these negative thoughts, like none of them are going to serve you. None of them, right? You're never going to think your way out of the problem 
but you are going to be able to work your way out of the problem through action. So that's the first thing I tell guys is like, well, you got to get out, you got to get out of your head because that your thoughts are never going to serve you. All right. Okay. So as long as you keep busy, it'll make it to where you don't have like anything to go through your head that could, that could mess yeah, with you. It, but it's not even saying? keeping busy. It's, it's intentional focused attention. And, and I'll, the perspective I'll put it in is, okay, if you're someone that's ever done like meditation, right? And you're following your breath, mm -hmm. you know, when you're intensely, you know, feeling every, you know, every ounce of air that goes through your nose and you're just feeling it. And then when you push it out, you're following it the whole way. Like you're just super focused in on it. Now there's no thoughts in your mind, right? Even, you know, I was always a gym guy. Put, as I said, said before, put 200 pounds on, on anything, a squat, a bench, something, right? You're not thinking about what's for dinner. You're not thinking about where you're going to be going later on. Like all you're focused on is that weight. If you don't move it, it's going to crush you. So your, 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 your whole focus is just zeroed in. And that's the state that I want guys to be when they're in a sexual situation. I want them to be zeroed in so that there is no other thought. They are just in the sexual act itself. So they're enjoying it, they're being it, they're experiencing it, but they're not thinking about it because it's the, it's the thinking that is the first thing that's going to hold you back. So kind of like a flow state sort of thing, you could say. Completely a flow state, completely. Mm, okay, okay. Okay, so that's solid. And I appreciate you sharing that tip. And um, now I guess to kind of change the topic a little bit, we got into you know, practical things that they could do. We kind of got into like how you got in this, this area and how you developed your expertise. And so something I like to ask you about is, uh, I guess maybe you could say what you've learned from it or like some different insights that you've gained along the way that, you know, you may not have necessarily gone in with the intent of learning. I know we talked about right before the call, how um, I asked, what do you think might have been the side effect of you uh, having so many partners from being in the industry. Can we talk about that a little bit? Yeah, for sure. You know, when I look at the side effects, and, and I mentioned this to you before, but I'll, I'll expand on it for your listeners as well. You know, part of the side effect is that you, you really know what you like. The negative side of that is, like I said, you really know what you like. Um, because often, when people have very little sexual experience, there is a bliss to that ignorance. You know, you will think, you know, if it's, if it's two, two virgins, they never had sex before they have sex in their mind, it's the greatest thing they've ever had until they have something to compare it to. So you do have to be cautious with the fact that the more that you go down the rabbit hole and the more that you have to compare things to, well, the greater idea you, you can see where your sexual life or sexual happiness or fulfillment is at. So I will always tell guys, I say, well, in my opinion, you should really understand what it is you like. And here's why I think that. Because I think you either, you either don't go down the rabbit hole at all, or you at least have to go down the rabbit hole to understand it. Because middling around in the middle zone, I think, is why you have a lot of marriages and relationships fail. Because the guys, they don't really know what they like. So now they want to go keep searching 
They want to stray from their relationship because, you know, they feel they're missing out. You can't have that, that sense that you're missing out. Like you have to know whatever, whoever you've committed to that they're good, like that you're solid with your choice. Because if you're not solid with your choice, you are always going to have a wandering eye. So I kind of think that's first and foremost, like understand, you know, what it is that is good sex to you. And often, you know, when I think about sexual satisfaction, I've often said it's, 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 it's three main elements, right? It's sexual alignment first and foremost, which a lot of people don't understand, but I think 80% of when, um, uh, sexual relationships fail, it's based on sexual alignment. Then you have um, the uh, sexual chemistry, and then you have sexual compatibility. So those three things are very different. Could you list those one more time? Yeah. So the, the first part is sexual alignment. With sexual alignment, it goes into what I call the lock and key theory. And I, and I write about this in my book. So if anybody wants to go into it in further detail, they can read it there. But, but I talk about the four different types of vaginas and how when you start to see that there are four different types, you are going to find that there is going to be a combination of them that just feels better for you as a man, 100%. So they are not all equal. There is, it's not that some are in, intrinsically better than another but they are going to be better than another for you specifically. And that is really going to matter for your sexual enjoyment, your sexual fulfillment. And it, it's in the reverse for women too. I've talked to a million different women and you know, there'll be a specific shape, size, type of penis that just works for them, that just of its own without skill set, feels better than any others. So that's the first part because you can't, you can't argue against biology. You can't fix biology. So one of the things that I've noticed a lot of people like to harp on is they say, well, if you just communicate better, your sex life will be better. And that's not true. You can't, you can't argue against biology. So that's the first part. So that's the sexual alignment piece. When we go to sexual chemistry, now we're talking energy. We're talking pheromones, right? Do those things line up? And then we, when we go to compatibility, it's okay. What are your wants, needs, desires, things that you want to explore? Because you might be into one aspect of sexuality and your partner is not into it at all. Well, now you don't have compatibility, but you may have alignment, but you won't have compatibility. So it's these three different levels that I think really encapsulates sexual satisfaction for somebody. Do you have sexual alignment? Do you have sexual chemistry? Do you have sexual compatibility? All right. And I appreciate you breaking those down again and like getting into the specifics. And so I'd like to just touch on one thing that you said right before that, I guess, before we go ahead and close out. Mm-hmm. And it was, I don't remember exactly how you phrased it, but it was something to the effect of when we were talking about ignorance is bliss. You said it's better to either, I think this is how you phrase it, either to not dabble at all or to go full force, not to teeter totter kind of in the middle. Right. Can we touch on that just a little bit more? Could you, I guess, maybe drill down into that and give like a little bit more detailed explanation so the listeners can get a better understanding of that, what you're saying? Totally, totally. So 
from my perspective and what I've seen that works out there, if you're going to be, if you just want the bliss, stay ignorant, you know, and, and that means, you know, if, if, if you've got the high school sweetheart, marry her, never do anything with anybody else. Cause then there's never a comparison. Mm-hmm. Then you will always be happy, at least in your mind. As soon as you start branching out to more other partners, now you have comparisons. And, and I, I think we, we talked about this before, uh, before we, we started rolling. But imagine if the only flavor of ice cream you ever tasted was vanilla ice cream. Never another. You're like, oh, man, vanilla is great. Okay. I love vanilla. But then suddenly you go to one ice cream stand, they got three flavors. Now you got strawberry and you got chocolate. Like, oh, man, okay. Well, there's that, there's that chocolate. There's that strawberry. Well, Jesus, take them to 101 flavors. And they're like, oh my God, right? But I guarantee you, if you went through all the flavors at 101 flavors, you will find your flavor. And at that point, if you've tasted all the ice creams, at least at that point, you are solid in your decision. Like if you say, I like chocolate chip, well, you'll know it. You've tasted all the other stuff, so you don't need to go tasting anything anymore. Mm Mm-hmm. It's the fact if you've only tasted that chocolate, that vanilla, that strawberry, and you know there's all these other flavors, now you're like, oh man, I got to try that. I got to try that. I got to try that. So it's like either go through the 101 flavors or just stay with vanilla because in either scenario, you might find happiness. But when you're middling in that middle ground, I think that's where you get a lot of these relationships that fall apart because nobody is really sure what they like. And they, they're not willing to commit to the flavor that they've got because they see, well, there's all this other stuff out there I might want to try. What it sounds like to me is that for like the regular average guy, it seems like it would be his best bet just to stick with the vanilla. Because the thing is, at least I would think, that, or at least from what I would see, the average guy probably doesn't get the chance to taste maybe all 101 flavors And so the thing is, as long as he's stuck in that middle ground, which like you said, which is probably the majority of guys, Mm -hmm. he never might actually find that flavor, you know, that was his, um, I guess you could say the the absolute best one for him. And so it's just something that's interesting to think about, because like I like I told you, like before, when we had talked now, I have a Christian background. And so, Mm. of course, in the Bible, it talks about, you know, not having sex before marriage. And it makes me think about that, how. If that's the way that you go about it, you you find that person that's compatible with you and like all the other ways that are like non-sexual, then, you know, when you have that vanilla, that's all, you know, it's functional. It works for you. Like you said, you have that, the ignorance, which leads to the bliss and it makes it to where you have a much better chance that one person. But then I guess whenever you start tinkering and like trying the different flavors, like what you mentioned it makes it to where, you know, you might still find somebody that's compatible with you on all those other levels. But since you had these tastes of these different flavors, it makes it that much harder to find somebody that you could settle with because that one aspect, which is, you know, very important, it gets more and more important, I guess, especially as you start getting the more experience, it can make it to where all these people that might've been compatible to you at the base level, at the vanilla level are no longer viable partners. It's just something really interesting to think about. Yeah. And, you know, and that's why 
I like to bring it to everyone's attention when I talk about the sexual alignment piece. Because when I've talked to guys about that, and when, when I tell them about the four different types of vaginas, and when they've actually started to put some conscious thought into it, then they will look back on previous relationships and they'll be like, wow, you know what? You know, so-and-so, I had this incredible, like, and I couldn't, I, they didn't know why the sex was so good with that person, right? And then I say, okay, what was this like? What was like, I break down the, the, the different types and then they're like, yeah, that was, it was exactly that type. And when I came across that exact type of woman again, there was, you know, the sexual, the sexual relationship just worked. So what I want guys to, to, to acknowledge or to understand is, you know, because it's, it, I don't think it's necessarily functional, especially when we look at most guys out there. I mean, most guys are there are, are in that middling world that we talk about. So how can I give them the sense of what I've gone through without them needing to do it? And that's what I try and teach them is like, okay, here's what you want to look for, you know, from a, from a sexual partner. And then when you find it, understand that, that that is what you're looking for so that you don't need to be going down the rabbit hole because the rabbit hole is endless. You know, if you, if you're just out there, you know, you, you want to, you know, have more women just to have more women. Well, it becomes almost like a drug addiction, right? And, and it ultimately that's never fulfilling. So if you're going to go on the journey, there has to be an end to it at some point. And that means you have to, you know, you have to say, okay, this person works for me on all these levels, but we are sexually compatible. We've got sexual alignment and we have sexual chemistry. Because I think a lot of, you know, especially today, I think you have a lot of relationships that, that fall apart, mainly because the sex starts to, you know, not be working. Right. And then that impacts every aspect of the relationship, because, you know, even though we don't want sex to be all of a relationship, it is the fundamental thing that separates men and women. And it is one of the fundamental things that brings men and women together. So we do have to deal with it and find a way to make it work for us. All right. Well, that pretty much wraps everything up. We are, uh, I guess, up with our time now. And I really appreciate you coming on to speak about this. This is uh, definitely one of the, the more intriguing conversations that I've had. It's definitely outside of the typical improvement box. And I appreciate you, you know, being willing to kind of tailor your content and everything to, to what I do. And so for anybody that wants to uh, look you up or find more info about you or find your book, where should they go? Uh, yeah, they can find me at www.ericeverhard.com, E-R-I-K. There I've got... Uh, my book, I have uh, new courses. I recently came out with a course called uh, Crushing Performance Anxiety, where I help and teach men how to be able to get over their fears and be able to get hard in any situation at any time using the, the same principles that I talked to you about today and even more. So I've got one-on-one -on -one coaching for men. So there's a lot of stuff, a lot of resources for men. So they can just uh, either get to me at the website or they can also um, email me, eric at ericinverhard.com. All right, great. Well, uh, thank you. I hope you enjoy the rest of your day, Eric. Thank you, man.